0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton.
1: You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Between 1941 and 1945, some six million. Jews were killed by Adolf Hitler's German forces in Europe. That represented about two-thirds of the population in that region of the world at the time. A year ago, we discussed how there were so many things still left unattended from that period in our history. The Conference on Jewish Material Claims continues to try and find justice for family members of people that were affected by the Nazis. But the new reporting by the group says that the Holocaust is an event that, to a degree, is being lost in history especially with some millennials. Greg Schneider is executive vice president of the Conference on Jewish Material Claims Against Germany. He joins us on the phone right now. And also joining us is uh, Christine Donnelly, who's a deputy chief program officer uh, at the uh, U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. She's also interim director of the Levine Institute as well. Greg, Christine, great to have you with us today. Thank you both. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Uh, the numbers, Greg, in, in the reporting coming out were, were stunning to me. Uh, take us through the research and,
2: and what you found out. So there really were some shocking um, findings. Um, the most troubling is, as you mentioned, related to millennials, to younger people in our country. But, for instance, um, 41% of all Americans were unable to identify Auschwitz. Of course, Auschwitz is the most notorious uh, synonymous with evil um, extermination camp um, that was in Poland, but, of course, run by, run by Nazis. Um, 41% of Americans didn't know what Auschwitz was, couldn't identify it in any way. Yeah. Um, but that number goes up to 66% for millennials. It means two-thirds of all millennials never even heard of Auschwitz, don't know what it is.
1: Christine, why do you think th- those numbers are trending that way right now?
0: I think there's a, a few reasons for it. I think um, it 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 is consistent with a trend we've been seeing now for some time, um, where there's less emphasis placed on history education in schools. Um, obviously, a very high uh, emphasis on, on STEM education, and so the Holocaust is frequently, you know, if it's taught at all, it is maybe only taught briefly in schools, part of a, a history lesson on World War II, or potentially in a literature class. Um, so there's perhaps not as much uh, attention and um, time spent on teaching about the Holocaust. And also I think there's just, as the event recedes in time, the efforts to make sure that we have quality Holocaust education in, in American schools needs to be, um, we need to kind of redouble our efforts there, given uh, you know that we are getting further and further away from the event.
1: So are are you seeing to a degree that play out there at the museum in the fact of, either overall numbers of people that are coming in maybe on the decline or the, the, the generations of people that are coming into the museum?
0: So we're not seeing any decline uh, in our visitation. Our visitation has been, you know, high since we opened, certainly more um, many more millions than were originally anticipated by right. our founders at the time. Um, and that number has stayed steady. And we're actually doing a research project now to, um, to do some audience research about our visitors and what they know when they come into the museum. Um, but I think the numbers who visit, and I think you know another statistic from the survey that shows you know, that 93% of people think that this should be taught in schools shows that there's a great interest in this topic, a great desire to learn more. And that is a very encouraging sign and I think you know encouraging to us as we you know continue to invest uh in Holocaust education in the US.
1: Greg, how important is finding a way to to and obviously we're talking about uh in many cases uh an education system which is very much in flux right now in in many cities across the United States. How do you go about trying to uh bring forth the importance of these events and and having kids in school have an understanding of what happened, how it happened, and, and, and how to, you know, kind of take that information forward in their lives?
2: So, as Chris just mentioned, one of the results from the survey was that 93 percent of Americans felt that it was important that Holocaust should be taught in public schools. But there's a gap because Holocaust education is only mandated, is only required in nine of our states. That means in 41 states it's not even a requirement that Holocaust um, be taught. So the first step is that we have to make sure that um, there's an alignment between what people feel is important to be taught in schools, which clearly is Holocaust. I mean, where in American civic life today do we have you know, consensus on anything? So when you have 93% of Americans saying it's important that it be taught in schools, it really should be taught in schools. Um, so there needs to be an alignment between what's required um, and then the proper resources given. Um, teachers need to be trained so that they can actually teach in an in a impactful way so that students understand um, the events and also the lessons that emerge from the, from the Holocaust.
1: And, and I would imagine, Christine, you're talking about one way being able to do that also is to be able, through partnerships like with organizations like yours, to be able to continue that education, to be able to provide resources if you can, to schools to be able to make sure that it is part uh, of the curriculum.
0: Exactly. And I would say, you know, just following on what Greg said, you know, one of the important things, and you referenced it as well, that, you know, these gaps in knowledge, you know, it isn't only, you know, facts and figures about history for, for their own sake. It is about learning those facts and figures so we can take a look at causes and consequences and, and what are the lessons of this history for us today. The fact that so many people think it should be taught means they see that relevance. And I think our job, and certainly we've had a long partnership with the Claims Conference and, um, and have worked with you know teachers throughout our 25 years um, since we opened, which actually it was just 25 years ago this month, um, we have been working to you know, help teachers be prepared to teach it in the classroom and make sure that they, you know, have the, the resources that they need to do so. We also trying to look at how do you prepare pre-service teachers so that when they are ready to go into the classroom, they already have an interest and understand the importance of teaching this history. And then it's making sure given, you know, as Greg mentioned, the fact that there's, uh, you know, there, it's only mandated in nine states, and, and the way that the Holocaust is taught is not consistent You know, in every classroom. In some cases they maybe have one classroom period or two. In others, they might even have a semester course if you have a teacher who has that expertise to do so. And so we have to make sure that the resources that we create Right. Are, uh, you know can be adapted by the teacher and that they're prepared to do so and that they focus not only on those facts and figures we want these students to know but also engaging them and asking you know, the big questions that, that this history raises for all of us both when thinking about you know, how you uh, keep have a strong democratic society as well as you know, the implications for us as individuals. But, so I think that that's really our, our big challenge and our big goal.
1: Well, and, and Greg, even though it, we may have a, a shifting in terms of the teaching of history, When you think about it, even in school today, we still teach things like uh, like the Declaration of Independence and obviously uh, World War One, World War Two, maybe even more so World War Two than the other. And so if these are topics that are still taught, it it is surprising to me that really that this component, uh, the Holocaust, is not more a part of the teachings of World War Two in our in our schools across the country
2: yes yes i think it's a it's a disappointment um uh but again the good news from the the survey is that people are yearning for it people feel that it's important and people want it so there's a roadmap of how we move forward you know one of the other results from the survey is that 80 percent of americans have never visited a holocaust museum so i found that really amazing because as chris said attendance at the united states holocaust memorial museum in washington um is high it's not that. People aren't going, but 80% of Americans have never been. And the museum in Washington is fantastic, Um, but it's not the only museum in the country. There's the Museum of Jewish Heritage in New York City, Uh, there's museums in LA and Chicago and Houston, you know, most metropolitan cities. So um, it's important that it be taught in the classroom. It's important that teachers be trained properly so that they have the ability to teach. It's important that that um, students um, and even families, if if you're not getting it in school, um, go to places where they can understand what happened, um, and exactly as Chris said before, uh, the consequences um, of uh, of not being vigilant um, on on, on, uh, hatred and bigotry and racism.
0: You know, I, I think um, there's also an opportunity here. You know, Dan, you mentioned that, um, you know, these aspects of American history still continue to be taught in the classroom, and that's true. Yeah. But if you if you look at some recent polls that were done, you know, there was one by NPR and PBS NewsHour, another by the uh, Annenberg Public Policy Center that showed a decrease, a decline in knowledge about some basic aspects of American history about yeah. the European, You know, we declared independence about being able to name the three branches of government. So there's that trend again where there's a a de-emphasis on teaching about history. But we actually have a new exhibition opening this month that actually focuses on Americans and the Holocaust. It's an opportunity to take a look at Holocaust history through the lens of American history. And I think that offers us a really big opportunity to help people really see you know what was happening in America at the time and see the relationship not only between the American government um, and and World War II and what was happening in, in uh, Europe at the time, but also about sort of the life of ordinary Americans during that period, which hasn't really gotten as much focus. And I do think that offers an opportunity and opens a door for... Um, a, a larger emphasis on Holocaust history when you can marry it not only to sort of world history but also to american history as well
1: and, and seemingly this is a this is a call on the education system christine you know for for them to to be understanding of the importance uh, of this event and to make sure that it it is not kind of phased out and I think there are times where you know some people believe that that American history realistically is what happened maybe over the last seventy five years, and that's about it
0: exactly. I, I would say that that's true. And you know we know because there's you know been sort of a move away from the humanities, those subjects, you know, history and literature, um the arts, those subjects really help. Um, students develop their critical thinking skills, and certainly studying the Holocaust also helps develop those critical thinking skills. I guess and thinking about how something like this could be possible. You know, what are the motivations and behaviors of ordinary people? Um, How could neighbors turn on neighbors? You know, those kind of big questions, that's really about critical thinking, and that really comes from a study of history and and from an emphasis on the humanities. So I certainly hope we see
2: um, a greater emphasis on that going forward. Greg, your thoughts? Well, I, I, as Chris was thinking, of course, I'm agreeing with everything she's saying, but I'm thinking how critical this becomes now at this point in time. We are unfortunately just at the moment in history when we are, um, have the, it's the last opportunity to know a survivor, to know this, yeah. this generation. This will be the last. And not only survivors who, of course, um, unfortunately, are passing away, but also the generation of, of Americans, of you know, incredibly brave Americans who fought in World War II. There were Americans, you know, all across Europe, who saw Jews emerging and others emerging from concentration camps. Those who survived, um, what, what they looked like, they saw the horrors. They saw, you know, uh, unfortunately, the, the the bodies, and you know, it was very present and real for those people who who then came home and who spoke about it with their spouses and their children. But now, when you get to grandchildren, even great-grandchildren, um, it's receding. It's not anymore memory. It's now history. Um, and understanding people's stories, what the experiences and what they had, and then of course the consequences is, is just so essential. So this is the time that we can't we can't drop the ball. We can't be the generation um, that is willing to to let go of, of these important memories.
1: So then, how do you how how do you think it it needs to be best
2: approached? Um, well. well I'm sorry, go ahead,
0: Chris. Oh, I was just uh, going to say that, you know, it really requires a multi-pronged approach. Yeah. Um because you're you want to, you know, there's one avenue that is about how do you prepare your teachers? Um and you know, that's something where you have there's some emphasis on that now, um, you know, some teachers who already have an interest in it, but for a lot of teachers coming out of school, going into the classroom, they may be asked to teach this subject, they may not have experience you know, having, having done a lot of work learning about this subject, so I think our role here at the Holocaust Museum in Washington, as well as other Holocaust organizations around the country, is to really help prepare those teachers and, as I mentioned, think about pre-service teachers as well. You also have to think about reaching students directly. So much of students' learning is done in the digital space. Right. So how do you create resources in that digital space that not only, you know, provides them with the facts and figures they need, but really allows them to sort of dig deeper on some of these big questions and make sure that it is accessible, you know, on their mobile devices where so much um, of that work happens. Our, our Holocaust Encyclopedia online is our, the most visited part of our website, and it is predominantly uh, by middle school and high school students and their teachers, and it's, it's, a, it's around 15 million um, visits a year just to our Holocaust encyclopedia. We have to make sure that that encyclopedia continues to be updated, that it engages those students um, and the way that they learn now is different than the way that they learned 25 years ago. So it really is multi-pronged. It's both teachers, it's students, it's resources, and it's making sure that you can provide them with really engaging and good high-quality resources in that digital space.
2: Greg? Yeah, so of course I agree. Um, it's, It's multifaceted The the idea that it should be mandated, it should be required as part of the curriculum in every school and and, in every district across the country is essential and it's one of the things that we'll be working on. But we're looking at lots of different different venues, different avenues, different mechanisms for disseminating the lessons. For instance, last year we were one of the funders of uh, a film um, called Son of Saul, which um, you know it was a very difficult film to watch but it eventually won the um, Academy Award for best foreign film It was made in Hungary um, but film, books, teaching, through museums, through exhibits, obviously having the opportunity to talk to survivors while they're still alive. There's an interesting project um, that was done by the, um, originally by the um, Spielberg Foundation at USC about creating a, a hologram mm-hmm. of survivors that's interactive. So you actually can stand in front Um, of a screen um, and have a conversation. You can ask the survivor a question, what was life like in the ghetto? And you get an answer um, that's connected with your question. Um, It's quite amazing, which of course will last well beyond the lifetime, the physical, actual lifetime of of a Holocaust survivor. So I think, exactly as Chris is saying, there are lots of different um, opportunities. We have to be vigilant um, uh, and and pursue, uh, you know, uh many different areas.
1: But again, something you mentioned before, Greg, is the fact that the, the generation that was most affected by this are, are people that are passing away and they won't be here very, very much longer. And, it, you know, it's it, it's it's an amazing tool to be able to have that resource that that either firsthand account or very close to firsthand account from people and passing that down to their children, to their grandchildren. And when that resource goes away it becomes a, a little bit of a different uh, different story.
2: Yes, yes, a very different story. It's what we talk about all the time, about um, the lessons being transferred from memory, from personal memory, to history. Um, and so, you know, for a 20-year-old, um, you could have uh, uh, the Holocaust being the same thing as the Revolutionary War, being the same thing as, uh, you know, the War of 1812. It, it all sort of merges you know, Alexander the Great, that all sort of, of merges, which is why, um, <clears throat> first of all, while survivors are still alive, making sure that you seek out an opportunity to meet a survivor and to hear their story, um, but also that we create systems that will remain in place long beyond the lifetime of survivors to ensure that these stories are told and that the lessons are learned.
1: Christine, how many different uh, museums are there around the United States right now that that uh, people can learn about the Holocaust at this point,
0: there are um, museums, certainly, as Greg mentioned in most metropolitan areas, as well as smaller memorials um, and sometimes um, small education centers also in, in in communities across the country and you know from about the time um, the Holocaust Museum in Washington opened, there was Quite a huge proliferation. So there's there's more than um, over certainly over 150 Holocaust organizations around the country. Some of which are on college campuses where the focus is more uh, on scholarship. Some are more sort of museum-based or or memorial-based. And uh, you know, one of the things that it's really important to us is we work with a lot of those organizations, providing them resources. Um, so that they can reach their community as a national institution. We feel um, it really is our obligation to serve the entire nation, but we can't do that without partners. And so, so many of those organizations uh, we work together with to, you know, to support their efforts to train teachers and educate students right there in their communities. Um, And that is certainly a, a big tool in trying to, you know, increase The focus on Holocaust education in the US.
1: Greg, before we uh, get going, what is the status on on all of the claims uh, currently against Germany and where where has that progressed? Because I know we've talked about this in the past and the fact that there are still several things that are very much unsettled.
2: Uh, Yeah, the main focus of the claims conference is negotiations with Germany uh, to provide benefits for those survivors who are still alive. Um, that they uh, live their final years in dignity. So we continue to provide um, home care, medicine, food, a whole range of, of welfare services, as well as direct compensation. And every year we press the German government to fill in gaps and holes that we see. Um, there's a new government in Germany, and um, in about two months, um, we will pick up on the negotiations with this new government. Um, and we're very hopeful um, that they'll be responsive to the ongoing needs in these, in these final years.
1: Great having you both with us today. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Christine. All the best, and uh, we wish you uh, further success. Thank you both.
0: Thank Dan, you so much. thank
2: you very much.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.